Greetings and welcome to Everybody's Business, a podcast sponsored by the National Entrepreneur Center in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Jerry Ross, also the president of the National Entrepreneur Center. And in studio with me is our sidekick, Rachel Matson. Say hello, Rachel. Hi, guys. Rachel's with us to uh, ensure that the trains run on time and that uh, I stay between the guardrails. You, you got me. <laughs> you cracked the whip. That's right. I, uh, to the, today's business topic is about checking on the quality that you think your company is delivering. Many times as an entrepreneur, you, you do things because you know this is the way they need to be done. You, you follow through to make sure that those customers are happy. But as we begin to grow, we start to hand off those duties to other people and we train them and pretty soon we grow again. And now we have people who you've trained that are now training other people. We assume that's going to be done just fine. But what happens is we get down the road and we realize that the quality that built our company, the quality that we know we need to deliver is not being delivered by those um, because they either haven't been trained or they've become busy and overwhelmed and they're not providing that kind of quality anymore. That occurred to me when uh, I called my own business uh, back in the day. And the person that answered the phone was obviously extremely busy and was not really answering the phone with the attitude and, and the way that we had, had always answered the phone. I had just assumed that that was the way it was going to be. But you know what? That was my fault. I hadn't followed through on that training and I hadn't followed through on the quality check. And so it's important to circle back at times and call your own business. Um, check into the things that are happening in the, in the loading dock area. Uh, walk around and, and look at what's happening in the business to say, is the quality that you've promised your customers and the quality that you've built your business on still being delivered in the way that you thought it was? Uh, quality extends to every kind of product or service. Rachel, have you? Have you <laughs> yeah, I have an example. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> Give me an example of where the quality did not meet the advertising. No, I was at a local supermarket and I have a big hankering for apples about twice a day. And so I buy a lot of them and they looked great on the outside. Um, you know, it was in the morning, of course. So had my coffee ready for my apple, cut it up inside. It looked like it was rotting. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm so. sure that's what you said too, right? <laughs> In other ways. Yes. <laughs> In many other words. <laughs> um, yeah. So the quality was not there. Um, I wish, you know, the company would have put more effort into that because it really changed my experience with them. Right. And, and that's what happens sometimes when you have a a bad quality experience, uh, that that reflects on the company, mm -hmm. that it changes your, your outlook on the company itself just because you had a bad experience. But can a company recover from that? If they were more consistent, I think consistency is key. I agree because many times it's not what happens, uh, with your, your experience. It, it's how the company deals with what happened. And so, uh, the first thing you need to do is to let a company know if you've had a bad experience with their product or service. From there, I believe it's 90% and above that customers will 
come back and they will do business if the company's made it right. So if you do find that your company is not providing the quality that you want, you do have an opportunity to earn those clients back by making it right. So Rachel, who is our victim for today? We have Cassie Willard from the National Association of Women Business Owners of Orlando. She's a friend and a partner here at the National Entrepreneur Center. So she's our next victim on everybody's business. The National Entrepreneur Center in Orlando, Florida has been around since 2003 and today is home to 14 business support organizations who have a single mission to help you grow your business. Through free business coaching, low-cost training, and valuable business connections, these 14 business support organizations assist thousands of entrepreneurs each year in starting, growing, and scaling their businesses. So why not visit the website at nationalec.org today or give us a call at 407-420-4848 to discover how you might take your business to the next level. And by the way, the National Entrepreneur Center is funded entirely through local sponsors, which include Walt Disney World Resort, the University of Central Florida, the City of Orlando, and Orange County government, just to name a few. So let's get connected today and get growing. Check out our website at nationalec.org. And we're back. And we have a great program for you. And you are going to be thrilled with what we have coming up. Our guest today is Cassandra Willard, who is an attorney, entrepreneur, and educator who is focused on supporting business owners through representation, training, networking, and advocacy. She's the two-time chair emeritus of entertainment, art, and sports law section of the Florida Bar and the section's immediate past legislative chair. Cassie teaches advanced entertainment law at Full Sail University's graduate program and sits on the board of the Girl Scouts of Citrus County, the Seminole State College's Florida Women's Entrepreneur Center. She is presented at TEDx Orlando and speaks regularly at conferences on legal topics and entrepreneurship. Currently, Cassie serves as president of the National Association of Women Business Owners Orlando. She has served on what we affectionately call the NABO board for a number of years in a variety of roles, including director and co-chair of the chapter's Women Who Win Mentorship Program and the Papel Her Pitch Competition. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show my friend, Cassie Willard. Thank you, Cassie, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Jerry. It's such an honor to be able to join, and we're so thrilled to be part of the National Entrepreneur Center and so grateful for everything that you do within our community, especially right now. Well, I tell you, it's uh, it's one of those labors of love uh, that we've put together a such a collaborative partnership here at the National Entrepreneur Center, and NABO plays a, a great part of being part of that partnership. So tell me about NABO and what it does and how it works and, and who, who can benefit from being a member of, of the National Association of Women Business Owners. So NABO itself celebrated 45 years earlier this summer, which was an amazing celebration and a wow. great time great time better than ever to be celebrating 45 years. The organization really leans into financial, social, and political aspects that impact our women business owners. So we do a tremendous amount of programming, networking, and advocacy efforts in particular to help our women be able to 
go through and launch or grow and scale or even exit their strategies that they're in right now and look for different opportunities and markets that may exist. So our national organization impacts literally around the world through a variety of different programs. But here locally in Orlando, our NABO Orlando chapter celebrates 25 years at the end of September. So September 25th, we turn 25. This, this is quite the year to have all of those anniversaries going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lots of really cool different opportunities to be able to connect. And in all honesty, being in this season, it's made it even more special to be able to reconnect with those who really laid the groundwork for us. And it makes it a lot easier for our members to connect who've been part of us for over the years because this plugin is so much easier than trying to convene everyone in one space. So it's been fun to be able to connect with women who've been part of the chapter at a variety of different times, who've participated in pitch competitions, who've participated in membership in a variety of different ways over the years, plugged into our chapter to take advantage of different opportunities. And it's also been great. We've seen our numbers really soar with our recent programming because we're able to serve such a broader community with a lot of our virtual opportunities that we're offering right now, which is great to be able to serve throughout Central Florida and even beyond. So we had a webinar earlier today with somebody from Pennsylvania, which was definitely a good good benefit for our <laughs> And that's one of the things that the, uh, the COVID-19 shutdown has forced people to to utilize the technology that we've had available before, but uh, probably didn't use effectively until now where people are saying, hey, uh, this enables me to connect. It it shortens the distance between those connections and, and it's been much more efficient. I haven't been on the road quite as much. So tell me, uh, NABO is, is focused for women-owned businesses, uh, but it's not a particular industry or segment of industry. It's, it's any woman who, who are involved in, in business ownership or, or leadership, correct? Absolutely. One of the things that really drew me to this organization initially was the fact that you can be sitting in a meeting next to somebody who works in engineering or construction or my field of law or marketing or anything really under the sun. And we serve women from the concept phase. So we even have a next gen track for our high school and college age entrepreneurs all the way through retired business owners who are looking to get back. And the organization actually has membership opportunities for non-women business owners. So companies are able to join, nonprofits are able to join, men are able to join the organization to be able to plug in and get benefits in that space. I know we have a California member who is a frequent flyer when it comes to some of our programming and he refers to himself as one of our now bros. So <laughs> he's... He's a dad with two little girls, and he wants them to be able to plug in and experience that. So he is really active and involved and is plugging them in. So kudos to him for really putting a spotlight on those next-gen entrepreneurs. So now when you talk about the, the propeller competitions and things like that, uh, is that to prepare uh, startup businesses or growing businesses uh, to pitch for funding, or is that... Uh, preparing them to pitch their idea. How does that work? 
So our Propel Her Pitch competition is one of our signature events. And with that event, we have two different tracks. We have an emerging track for women who have anything from a concept all the way through a young business that's making under six figures a year. And then we have an established track for those businesses that are launching forward and are over six figures looking to grow. So right before the session, I was actually talking to one of our established winners who won a great award from Bank of America after she pitched with us and is now excited to be enrolling in Harvard for business school. So I gave her a quick call to congratulate her. Fantastic. Yeah, from top to bottom, if you are a business owner, there's definitely a space within Propel Her. And if you're trying to gear up, we have our Women Who Win program that's kind of an on-ramp to that competition. So how did you get involved in, in NABO? Good question. I actually was originally invited to NALBO to come and speak on negotiations. So that was how I really got plugged in and involved with the chapter. And it was something where when I walked in the room, you had amazing energy and you had this great cross section of women from different backgrounds, different industries. You really had great diversity when it comes to the business sector. And it was a really fun group to be able to plug into because you have different stages of business growth. You have all these different representatives that you can talk to. So not only can I reach out to somebody at that time, I had been an owner of my first business for about 10 years. So I could talk to people who had been in business for 10 years and ask, what are you doing within your business? Did you revisit your mission and vision? You know, what did you do when you were thinking sure. of selling off? But the other thing is I could also talk to someone in marketing and see what are a couple of trends that you see going on in the marketing space. So we could kind so of lean best, on each other. Best practices. And it's always good to to get into a room of entrepreneurs and and share best practices. But it, we all have that, that shared experience where uh, you know – that you've been there and you've been through it. And I've never met an entrepreneur that wasn't willing to help someone else. And so I've, I've attended NABO events myself and I always have a great time, but I always learn something too. So that's important. So how does someone uh, connect with NABO or connect with you uh, to find more about the organization and membership and how they get involved? Absolutely. On the national level, you want to go to NA wbo.org nowbo.org is our national page and there you can find information about all sorts of upcoming events membership etc at the local level you can look up nawbo orlando.org that's our website where you can get local info plus you can find us on facebook as well as instagram linkedin and twitter we're kind of everywhere so you got it all covered yeah we have some <laughs> different things that'll float around on the different platforms so it's worthwhile whatever your best way to connect with us is we definitely would love to connect with you and so because it is a national organization, people from uh, all over the country can find a local chapter connect to connect with. Well, we're going we're gonna to hear more about NABO and, and learn a little bit more about Cassie uh, right after this break. So don't go away. For women founders and entrepreneurs, the National Association of Women Business Owners is a one-stop resource to propel women higher 
into greater spheres of economic, social, and political power. This membership-based organization is all about connecting and educating. Through their Lunch and Learn series to networking and signature business and education events, joining NABO unites you with the 10 plus million women-owned businesses nationwide. As a member, you're not alone as a woman founder in today's business environment. Now, here's your host, Jerry Ross. Cassie, I'd like to to touch a little bit on the COVID-19 experience. So what do you think about the whole uh, shutdown and reopening that we've been going through? Uh, how has that affected you and your business, but how do you think that's affected others? For my business, I wasn't impacted quite as much, but my clients were definitely affected. So my world of entertainment, I do a tremendous amount online, via phone, via email already. So that wasn't too bad, but needless to say, I was very blessed and thankful that my touring artist, that my clients that were getting ready to go overseas to do different projects and events, thankfully everybody with the exception of one was here in the States when everything got shut down. The one who was overseas was on holiday and they ended up, the downside was they had a seven-week vacation overseas when they only anticipated <laughs> about two. Well, and that and that could be good if that was, you know, Italy or, you know. <laughs> it was Italy and oh everyone stayed well. Everyone was well. So it turned out well. But the biggest thing I think I learned as a takeaway working with clients was just the importance of their contracts. So built into their contracts my clients frequently have had clauses and some of them deem them the doomsday clause, which makes me kind of sad, but they've always had language in there about business interruption, which is a huge story I've seen in a couple of news journals recently, as well as language about if there is an act of nature, some sort of force majeure, act of God kind of deal, if of course there's a hurricane, if there's a pandemic, a plague, if there are riots, if there's an act of terrorism, et cetera, et cetera. Usually there's a pretty chunky clause in their contract if anything goes wrong. And that really was a huge safety net for a lot of my clients when they ended up having a contract stop or pause. Sure. And, the, and who can anticipate that? And so, like you said, being out of the country and not being able to get back. Uh, or having a, a tickets to a concert that didn't happen. So uh, tell me about uh, businesses that you've experienced or, or learned of that have pivoted through the the COVID nineteen to to maybe you know shifting to other ways of of survival. Two of our Propel Her finalists always are top of mind when I get asked about COVID and pivoting in that space. And both of these women took their businesses and shifted them pretty quickly to go into the PPE space because that protective gear was so important to everyone and the supply chain wasn't there to support the level of demand. Absolutely. So one of our winners, uh, Apollo Performance, does dancewear. They actually do footwear for dancers to help them avoid injuries. And they realized that they had the gear to be able to create face coverings. So they converted. They used a model similar to Tom's. So when you bought a mask, a mask was donated to someone in need. And they started knitting 
masks that had a filter pocket in lieu of knitting their performance wear for a window of time, which was just so cool That's to see brilliant. them innovate. When you're thinking about it, dancers weren't in the studio as much. Certainly performances were suspended. They had to find a way to keep things afloat. And then this past year, one of our established category finalists ended up, she has a product that makes different types of bath bombs and things like that, more kind of home spa type products. Now, as much as all of us leaned into the concept of self-care, it felt like the first couple of weeks, we all unplug, we could do the self-care thing. It's a, it's a big trend. But after that, the reality set in of all the different elements that this wasn't a two-week vacation. We, right. were, we had to be a little bit more particular, a little more strategic. And I had reached out to her to see if she had sanitizer or knew somebody who did. And she ended up with a bottle of sanitizer just kind of laying around. And a friend of mine works in New York with patients up close and personal and was super terrified of exposure and reached out to me and said, do you guys have hand sanitizer in Florida? Because New York's the hotbed. We weren't to the same level at that point. So I reached out to her and said, silly question, do you happen to have sanitizer? And she had one bottle left, of like a part of a jug. And she said it never really sold before. Her customers came to her for self-care. When we think about self-care, nobody really luxuriates by covering themselves with hand sanitizer. <laughs> exactly. Let me, let me take some alcohol and put it all over my hands. <laughs> so for her, she never really leaned into that product line. Well, when I reached out, she took her company and transitioned. She was able to get access to sanitizer, to the, the alcohol that was a concentration that would fit. She already had licensing to make bath products that were themed after your favorite parks and resorts here in Central Florida. She already had that license. So she went through and started making hand sanitizer that had kind of your traditional bath product scents, but she also made a line with another company that had those themed scents. So now you can spray on your hands and it can smell like your favorite resort from you know the islands or your favorite ride or whatever it might be so it was really cool to see both of those women sit back and say this is not going to work for more than a certain number of number of weeks let's move into a space that makes sense you know what's interesting about that is there was so much uncertainty when this when this hit is that we didn't know whether it was going to be a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And, and both of these businesses were proactive in, in pivoting to do something, even with that uncertainty. So they, they were looking for, how do I, I get through this pandemic, even if it is two weeks, uh, but when it turns into six months and eight months, uh, they're, they're still doing those things that are providing growth to their business, even though their their business has changed completely over the last six months. Uh, would also like, uh, especially since, since you have a background in the law, uh, to talk to you about our, as we reopen. Uh, we're reopening businesses. And I know there's a lot of talk out there about the legal exposure uh, and liability for businesses that open. Can you speak to any of that? I can give some kind of general high-end non-legal advice. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> yes, disclaimer. Exactly. This is not meant as personalized legal advice. Um, probably the biggest thing is know that it changes day by day. 
And as a business owner, that is the greatest frustration because don't we all have a whiteboard that 90% of the time feels like it's a stone tablet because when we write on it, that's the plan, that's the map, that's what we're doing. And things are changing so rapidly right now. Uh, the biggest thing, and it goes without saying, is check your local listings, see what's going on in your county, in your city, in your community, what those requirements will be. Adopt best practices. I know overwhelmingly I've worked with companies that will align with healthcare organizations when it comes to some of those intake testing, things of that nature. Utilize technology. We have some really cool med tech here in Central Florida yes. that's been innovated or distributed. So definitely lean into technology. But I think the biggest thing is use common sense. And I know back in March and April, everybody was kind of lighthearted about it. Now, as we're trying to figure out, it's like learning to drive a stick shift, Jerry. I swear. It's we reopen and then we get some cases that flare up and then we kind of gear back again. And it's like we're trying to we're trying to find phase three. It's somewhere there. Right. It's somewhere. I know this gear is here somewhere as you're grinding it through. So I think one of the most important things, go back to those key things we learned when we were little of washing hands and, and not, you know, coming up close to people and getting in their face and all that good stuff. So really instituting those expectations and making sure your employees are empowered to educate and enforce them is always key. Well, and that's what we've tried to do uh, at the National Entrepreneur Center is uh, at our website, nationalec.org, uh, we do have a COVID button uh, that People can go and, and connect with those local resources that give them the, the guidelines, but also uh, connect with uh, those that are, are providing reopening guidelines and to make a best faith effort at protecting the safety, not only of your employees, but your customers as well. And so uh, hopefully we'll get some uh, some legal guidelines that stay along, uh, stay around a little longer than the whiteboard. Uh, my whiteboard is always changing. Uh, but as we look to reopen, it is important for everyone to know that you have to make a good faith effort of protecting the safety of your employees and your customers. Um, anything else on the COVID front? I just want to say, just make those best choices. Your safety and the safety of your community is always going to be key. So that would be my last takeaway point. So stay well and stay safe because that's going to be most important for your business to be able to thrive. Okay, we're going to pause now for a break. Don't go away. You're listening to Everybody's Business with Jerry Ross, presented by the National Entrepreneur Center. The National Entrepreneur Center has made it easy for you to learn business principles from anywhere, at any time, with NEC Online. As a supplement to all the great resources at the National Entrepreneur Center, you now have free access to over 300 learning modules that you can access at any time. Thanks to the generous sponsorship of Wells Fargo, in our partnership with The Lonely Entrepreneur, you can access this powerful online learning platform for free. Learn on your own time and at your own pace. Access product reviews and participate in weekly group coaching opportunities. Right now, the only thing missing is you. So check out our online learning platform today at nationalec.org. That's nationalec.org. Did I mention it's free? And we're back. We're talking with Cassie Willard, who is the current president of NABO Orlando. Uh, we've learned all about the NABO organization here at the National Entrepreneur Center and how you can get involved. But now we'd like to, to learn a little bit more about you, Cassie. And so um, 
I know you're an attorney uh, and you're a practicing attorney. You're also uh, an instructor here at Full Sail University. Uh, but let's start back. Where are you from and what did you want to be when you grew up? I originally am from Northern Ohio. So if we have any fans of the Ohio State OH. A fellow, a fellow Buckeye. I'm from Ohio too. Can't leave me hanging, Jerry. OH. I O, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were from Ohio. I've forgotten that. Yes, I grew up right outside of Cedar Point in Sandusky, Ohio area. So if anybody is a theme park fan, I'm originally from up north. And I decided at the age of five, I wanted to be a lawyer, which both of my parents were educators and were somewhat mortified as to how I figured out I wanted to be a lawyer. I'm the first lawyer in my family. And that, that probably didn't make it easy with them negotiating with you. Well, it was an absolute hoot because when I went into my career, I've always taught a class somewhere and I joke with them that that's my way to rebel against them. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, so you always knew you wanted to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Originally, I thought I wanted to go into tax law. That was my dream. So my fifth birthday present was a printing calculator because that was what I wanted. I thought that was necessary for my career aspirations. And I love that thing. I remember loving that thing. Uh, and I ended up, I moved down to Central Florida to go to University of Central Florida for business and got about halfway through my accounting degree and was doing incredibly well but it just didn't feed my soul. And when I was in high school, I was blessed to have some amazing bosses and mentors and was able to figure out things in the law that I really would prefer not to do. So with that sure. being said, I, uh, I got halfway through that finance program and just got to the point in the accounting side of things with that as my focus. I just realized, am I good at it? Yes. Do I want to do this for the next 30 years? I don't think so, and made a pivot before pivoting was cool and became a general business major and focused on accounting finance and hospitality. And that's how I got into entertainment. I think I uh, realized way back in third grade when we were probably doing math that accounting was not going to be my forte. So I learned it a little earlier than you. Uh, where did you go to law school? University of Florida. And when you got out of law school, what did you end up doing? So when I was in law school, I focused on intellectual property within my law degree. UF has a really nice focus with IP and technology that existed at least back then. And it was a great springboard for me to come down here to Central Florida to work with a small boutique firm. And then shortly thereafter, became a partner with that firm, really focusing on the intellectual property, the technology and the entertainment side sure. and growing that pretty rapidly. When I was a law student, Student, I was able to work with Planet Hollywood at their corporate headquarters, and that was definitely getting thrown into the deep end of entertainment you because bet. I worked with them as they were preparing to declare bankruptcy for the very first time. So it was back when Bruce and Demi were still together and Schwarzenegger's maid did not have a child yet. And it was, <laughs> it was a while ago. You're dating yourself. Then. Exactly. But it was an amazing time to be able to get a feel for what entertainment is really all about. It was. And at the time I was uh, providing equipment to the entertainment business and Planet Hollywood was one of our clients. So we probably passed in the hallways somewhere. 
there. Did you did you have anyone that was a mentor or a uh, someone that gave you the aha moment as you were going through school or growing up? Definitely. I think growing up, probably two people will pop into my head first and foremost. One is my grandfather, because when I was young, uh, my grandfather always used to say that one of the most important things that you can always keep top of mind is that you should leave it better than you found it. And that's always been my personal mantra is leave it better than you found it. And then for me, mentorship wise, I had an amazing opportunity when I was in high school to work for an attorney in my hometown and working with him the first day I started in his office, he explained to me, he said, I'm gonna teach you everything I can, but I can't teach you how to be the son, the grandson and the great, great grandson of the city judge. And I worked with, I've worked with him for about a year and a half. And I came into his office one day and he said, I just want to let you know that we're going to go ahead and this is going to be your last day and you have an interview tomorrow. And I was mortified. And he said, it's time for you to leave the nest. And he had me interview with the first judge in Northern Ohio. She was in our county and he had coordinated for me to have an interview. And he said, I've taught you everything I can about the law. And he said, the unfortunate thing is you're a first generation lawyer in the making and you're female. And he said, I know enough to know what I don't know and I'm kicking you out of the nest. And I was fortunate to fly home the summer before he passed and was able to catch up with him. And he was the judge. I still have the magnet on my fridge here at home uh, to vote for him as the judge. He sent me one when I was in college, still in law school. Uh, but he was one of my biggest fans. And when I launched my firm, he was one of the first ones to send a note and was just absolutely a superstar. Well, you know, sometimes, um that push that sends you out of the nest, which is so scary and it's so difficult at the time, uh, you look back on and say, you know, that's the the fire that makes the steel hard, uh, that that you go through that kind of uh, an experience and you learn. And, and many times what I found is even though they do push you out of the nest, uh, they, they've got you surrounded, you know, and they're, they're helping you, you know, make it through with the, the guardrails on the side. Uh, so you're real lucky to have someone like that. Um, let's talk about, uh, small business. Uh, you were a small business person with your own law firm. Uh, what kind of lessons would you look back and say, uh, I would do it differently or, or this is one of the things that you did that, that an entrepreneur listening out there might say, that's what I needed to hear. I think when it comes to small business, it's just really looking at the relationships that you're building. One of the most important things that I had to learn around, along the way is the importance and really embracing the empowerment of saying no, of making sure that you're in a good space to turn things down. And I know sometimes as a startup, you may be chasing things and wanting to make something happen. So you're willing to go through and take some steps that maybe if you had some time to reflect, you wouldn't do. And for me, that was something early on that I really took to heart. This is a really broad industry. We have a lot of movers and shakers. We have a lot of different segments. So going through and figuring out where you wanna go versus where you don't is important. 
Also, the importance of building that network and that support system. It's hard, particularly as a startup, to be a jack of all trades. So make sure you have a great network that you can go through and bounce ideas off of, that you can go through and find support, whether it's just being able to go through, grab a cup of coffee and talk about your wild day, or if it's <laughs> even being able to go through and just ask, have you ever seen this before? Having that little mini mastermind think tank within your field is a huge support. Well, speaking to both of those points, uh, yesterday I had a conversation with the dean of the law school at, at FAMU, and we were talking about how we help attorneys uh, when they're, they're going into business for themselves to avoid the open door policy, to say, I will take whatever walks through that open door. And whether that's, uh, you know, personal injury or whether that's uh, uh, designing a will and doing estate planning, uh, sometimes it's just as important to know what you don't do as, as what you do. Uh, as, as an entrepreneur myself, there were many times that um, you want to take whatever job comes through because you've got to make payroll at the end of the week. And, and sometimes you would take a job that you say that really wasn't what we do best, or it took me more time and energy and effort than we actually made on the job. Uh, so identifying what you do and being able to say no to what you don't do is, is hugely important. And to your second, and to your second point with NABO, uh, that's an ultimate um, surrounding yourself in the right circle of, of people that not only are, are connections and networking and, and opportunities, but support as well of people that have been there and done that and, and know how to help you do uh, what you want to do to grow. And that's such a great point. I know we affectionately refer to it as door law in the practice of law. <laughs> we actually, I just asked for a referral not that long ago and somebody said the name of a younger attorney who's new in the industry. And I ended up picking up the phone and calling and saying, you're new. I've, I've been around for a while. Don't list every field of law that exists. You really do aviation and animal and bankruptcy and everything, you know, narrow it down to start with because you got to keep your lights on, but you also have to keep your license. So you got to watch for that. That's, I'm going to use that. I'll give you credit the first few times, but you got to keep the lights on, but you got to keep your license. Hey, don't go anywhere. Uh, we're we're going to take a short break and hear from one of our sponsors, but we'll be right back right after this. As we go through this year of the pandemic, many of us thought that would only be maybe a few weeks, maybe a month. But now that it's gone on for months, people are realizing that maybe we're not going to be doing business the way we used to. Maybe business has changed forever. Whole workforces have pivoted to working from home. Schools closed, businesses closed, live events canceled. COVID-19 has pretty much turned our daily lives upside down. Dealing with a global pandemic has also made us rethink how we do everything. Schooling our children to serving customers, it's difficult. Any kind of change is difficult. But when you add to that all the uncertainty that comes with an unpredictable virus, a virus that could be fatal, it's no wonder that folks are feeling a bit stressed these days. So if you are feeling stressed right now, it's okay. You're normal. What you need to know is that you're not alone. Most everybody today is feeling the stress of the situation. Maybe in different ways, maybe with different circumstances, but believe me, everyone has been affected. It's okay not to be okay right now. 
you are allowed to take time for you to regroup and to recharge. I think there are some aspects of what we found from working remote that are good, that we've learned to use different technology. We've learned new ways to stay in contact with each other and with our clients. And I think even when things do get back to normal, whatever normal may be, that we'll find that some of these aspects of technology and video conferencing, online learning, all of those things will be carried forward into the new way of doing business. Remember, in times of chaos, there is always an opportunity. And we're back. We're talking with Cassie Willard, who is the president of NABO Orlando, which is the National Association of Women Business Owners. If you're not familiar with NABO, you can get connected with them online and you can connect with NABO Orlando at naboorlando.org. Uh, Cassie, uh, really appreciate you being with us today, but uh, I've got to ask you some really uh, tough questions uh, before we let you go. If you were president for a day, what would your priorities be? Oh, my goodness. I know. This is a heavy question. I, I could play Hail to the Chief. Uh, <laughs> it, it would be like the Jeopardy theme, you know, to right? give you a little time to think. Absolutely. I'm really involved in advocacy efforts, so this makes it very, very difficult. And I should also confess, little known fact about me, I am also a commissioner of a fantasy Supreme Court of the U.S. League. A fantasy Supreme Court. <laughs> if, you're, if you're familiar with fantasy sports, it works the exact same way, but with court cases. So needless to say, I do track a lot of things. I think from working with businesses right now, just really looking at how to streamline information and support as everyone's trying to maneuver through PPP and IDLE and all of the different acts that are floating around, the liabilities for businesses now more so than ever, whether it's funding or potential COVID risk are so high. I think, you know, doing some little concise workshop and making an org chart with 800 numbers, I feel like would be a good <laughs> ROI for right now. To kind of navigate the the maze that's out there on what's available and and really uh, how do we get that those resources to the to the businesses that really need them? So that is, that is a huge problem that needs to be solved. So what keeps you up at night? What do you worry about? For me, what I worry about is just making sure that that information is out there. Communication is one of the most important factors. We're all siloed islands right now, but more so than ever, there are easy ways for us to connect through email, through text, through these sessions. There are so many different ways you can get info and just honoring making sure that we don't have info overload is the counterpoint to that. That's, that's true because... Uh, access to information. And I used to say, well, you know, when I was young, I used to have to go to the library and use the card catalog. We didn't have Google back then. Uh, but even the access to information that we've seen just in the last 10 or 15 years, uh, it's great to be able to to access that kind of information. In fact, uh, my son used to say to me, we don't, we live in a society that we don't have to speculate. We can always find the information. Uh, but like you said, sometimes that we have so much information, it's hard to, to, to wade through that to make a decision. Uh, what do you see for the future of entrepreneurship and small business? 
Uh, we're, we're going through this pandemic. We've had a shutdown. Uh, we've got a recovery underway. Uh, what do you see for the future? Is this a, a doom and gloom time or is this a time for opportunity? I think it's a time for opportunity. We've seen so many businesses innovate in so many amazing ways. So many companies that said, it can't be done. It can't be done unless you swipe a badge. It can't be done unless we all sit under fluorescent lights together. It can't be done <laughs> unless... There are so many kind of myths that have been dispelled. But the other thing is, whether it was by choice, by chance, or just by the circumstances we're in, We've seen a lot of individuals put in positions where entrepreneurship doesn't have excuses anymore. And more and more, I'm getting contacted by members of the community who are seeking the access to information through the National Entrepreneur Center of, I'm furloughed, and I know that unemployment is going to run down, and I've always wanted to do this, and I think this is whatever you might believe in, the universe, whatever, <laughs> this is this nudge from some direction to finally make the leap. And I think we've also learned a lot about the technical aspects, going through all of the application processes for so many different grants and other opportunities. We've learned a lot about the technical stuff that some of our businesses just need some refreshers on. But I think this is a really great time for innovation. I know we have businesses transitioning and struggling, but we also have a lot of young entrepreneurs or new entrepreneurs looking at the different opportunities that exist. Uh, I have a saying that is in every chaos, there is opportunity. And so we're in a time of chaos, but I also, like yourself, uh, see people that are saying, maybe this is the time for me to, to pivot to working uh, in a way I haven't before and with the technology that we have in a way that we've never done before. Uh, I know how busy you are, so I want to be a, a good steward of your time, but I can't leave without asking uh, some final questions on our rapid response bingo. So uh, I, need to, I need to know your, your choices here. What is your favorite dessert? Favorite dessert, anything chocolate. <laughs> Me too, I've got to say. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Oh my goodness. Favorite movie, probably class action. Class action. And you were probably memorizing that at the age of five, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you, and you have your printing calculator under glass. Yes. It's actually about the class action lawsuit with the Pinto automobile. Oh, gotcha. It's really fascinating. I knew several people who owned Pintos at the time. So <laughs> they, they, I, I should recommend that they watch that. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Movie or book? Book. Pie or cake? Cake. Favorite TV show? Oh my goodness. It varies. Um, I watch a lot of documentaries. I watch a lot of news. Um, I'm trying to think. I watch a lot of series dealing with the law. So because of that, any, any good documentary series, I will watch episodes about the U.S. Supreme Court on news networks is probably one of my favorites. I will also watch C-SPAN. I am that person. <laughs> you and, and a few other people who are sleeping at the time. But... <laughs> I retired the printing calculator and subscribed to C-SPAN. I don't know. <laughs> you seek, seek help, Cassie. Seek help. Uh, beach. If you go to vacation, do you go to the beach or the mountains? Beach. Ballet or opera? Opera. Beer or wine? Wine. 
those are the very important questions that I had for the interview. And so I want to thank you for, for being with us today. Uh, once again, tell us how we get in touch with NABO. Thank you so much for having me today. And you can reach out to NABO National at nawbo.org. Locally, it's nawboorlando.org. And then you can just find NABO Orlando on really almost any of the social media channels that you would frequent. Well, that's great. Well, thank you for spending time with us today. And we'll be back right after these messages. If you have a business question that you would like to have answered, or if you would like to suggest a topic for discussion, we would love to hear from you. Just email jerry at hello at nationalec.org. That is hello at nationalec.org. And we're back for final thoughts for this episode. Well, Rachel, uh, what do you think about the latest interview? No, I think there was some really good thoughts laid on the table. It's something everyone can use. That's right. And I'm sure you're, you're memorizing these words of wisdom from these interviews. Oh, yes. I am a subscriber to this podcast, so <laughs> it's like my first tab. <laughs> well, I love that. In fact, I think the, the best thing about it is the price. Oh, yeah. It's free. It's free. <laughs> That's my favorite word. It is mine, too. <laughs> and so we're, we're your, your number one podcast, huh? Yeah, you are. You are. Uh, it, it better be. I'm going to check. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let me get on my computer screen. Well, in, in, in the final thoughts today, um, once again, I want to visit my mom's uh, book of wisdom. Uh, she has all kinds of great sayings. I know. I love it. And, you know, and I'm sure most of these sayings came from someone that, that she learned it from or, or from someone who, who quoted it earlier. But for me, uh, she was always the source of these great sayings. And she used to say, for a conductor to lead the orchestra they must first turn their back on the audience. Oh. And so as a leader, sometimes you really, uh, you try to please everyone and, you, and you're trying to, to please so many different aspects of your life, whether it's your home life, your, your investors, your, your stakeholders, your tenants. Uh, but there are times that you have to turn your back on the audience and say, I've got this idea and in order to, to conduct the orchestra to make beautiful music, uh, you have to turn your back on the audience. And so uh, many times as an entrepreneur, people would say, that's a crazy idea. Or, you know, you're, why would you go do that? And yet you have an idea and you have a vision that other people don't. And so uh, final thoughts are today is if you're conducting an orchestra and you hear music uh, that other people may not, sometimes you have to turn your back on the audience in order to make beautiful music with the orchestra. Right, because in the end, it's you. It is you, and, it, and you are, are directing that orchestra. And so um, sometimes you have that vision that other people don't, and, and you hear the music that other people don't. So if you're marching to your different drummer, uh, that's okay, as long as you're listening to everybody's business. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, remember that you need to enjoy your life because this is not a dress rehearsal.